Hello and welcome to Upstage Downstage with me, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle, and me, Stephen Rees, uh, seated in a cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat, and let's raise that curtain. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Harpy. We saw the tour in production at Buxton Pavilion Arts Centre on the 21st of October 2021. This is a brand new piece of writing by Philip Meeks and stars Sue Pollard as Birdie in this one-woman show. So Stephen, what's it all about? We delve into the world of Birdie, a woman who seems to be isolated from the outside world and living alone in a small terraced house. Struggling with mental health, she finds company in hoarding other people's trash and reclaiming them as her own lucky treasures. So with all that said, let's set the scene. So Richard, whilst we sup our brews, what's our first impressions of the set and the layout? Well, overall, this set was very chaotic, but Mm -hmm. in a specific way. You knew you were looking at somebody who lived in a very chaos-driven household, very much a hoarder. You were were presented with that when you walked into the, the auditorium. Yes, it was a terraced house, wasn't it? I, I presume one of those narrow terraced houses that was yeah. just littered, full of all her lucky treasures and trinkets that she's... Um, all her collections collect. over the years. Yes. And actually, I thought it was a really good set, to be honest. It utilised the space really well. At the centre of the upstage, it was a set of stairs yeah. leading off, which, I mean, this set could have been done any which way, but it was nice that they included the stairs that just went up near the door. And for this being a one-night performance i think it was one night was it yes it was, it was. Uh, um, you could tell that the set was was made for touring however it was very cleverly done where you didn't really notice that because it was done on a black stage and they filled the space really well so you felt that everything on stage was there for a reason it didn't feel wasted oh everything was utilized yeah down to the step ladder yeah and the fish Definitely. tank yeah everything you saw was used but we'll come on to that later. And with this being a new piece of writing and with our own background in dealing with new writing, how did you feel that this piece worked? I always have an open mind when I go and see a new production. Yep. And I always feel that if a production grabs you once it begins, it doesn't matter if it's new or old writing. If it's done well, you should be transported to that place and time. It's a bit like watching a new TV programme. You don't know what it's like till you press play. You, you really don't. So I think sometimes you just have to go to a production with that open mind. Oh, yeah, suck it um, and see. Yeah, suck it and see. You'd see, <laughs> see, what the exper- you'd just see what the experience is going to bring. And I think that that showed very much with Harpy. It really was well written and it drew you into the actual performance. You were there. You were, you were in that house. You felt like you were already in there before it even began. Yeah, I think everybody knows those kind of characters. Those are either Horde or those individual people that you notice going about your daily life and you see them go into the houses and you see them come out and then they go shopping but they don't seem to do much and this particular piece was about questioning those characters and their lives and I've never seen anything by Philip Meeks before so this was a joy watching 
this come to life because I really enjoyed the comedy I really enjoyed the pace the extra characters which he brought into this one woman piece whether that be the social worker and her friend on the telephone definitely Stephen you talked about where you always see these characters and you know who these people are by seeing them in the street. Where there's you loads know, in my street. There's, yeah, and in the work I do for my day job, I see quite a lot of these types of characters. However, I'm always intrigued as to what the cause is or where their journey has been and what is happening behind those scenes because they might seem oddballs, they might seem on another planet, but actually something's happened or there's things going off in their life that we don't always understand. And it intrigues me and I think this play, the way it was written, helps you explore what's actually happened with that person's life. And I think that's the cleverness in how it was written. Well, exactly, and I quite like the idea about it because... I've got a little staffy cross Jamie Shepherd and when I walk her Bonnie I always bum into this lady she must be in her 60s and she's walking her dog Benji this lovely little I think it's a Springer Spaniel I'm not quite sure but every time I'll see her she's always carrying a newspaper yeah. but the shop's in the other direction so which shop has she yeah. been Where's to she been? yeah and she comes to me and each time I see her, she's like, oh, how is he? How's your little dog? It's like, well, it's a she, it's Bonnie. Yeah. But she'll always get the name wrong or the sex wrong. And each time I see it, it's like, oh, how is he? It's yeah, yeah, a yeah. She. she. But then I'll see her trundling off in her flat shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll go into a little, I think it's the council house. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But she'll she'll go in there and she'll look about. But it just feels as if once she closes that door, she's put the lock on. Yeah. You know, she could be one of them hoarders. You just don't know. They're very good at living in that way and it becomes a way of life. And that's how people live. And a lot of people turn their backs on, on those types of people. They sometimes need somebody to just reach out. This explains and shows how people live, really. I wish someone would reach out to me because I wonder if people look at me on my own, to in and fro in, sometimes in the middle of the night, but that's another thing. Hey, got a 24-hour <laughs> pass at the gym. And I wonder if they think, where's he going? Yeah. What's he brought now? He's always exactly. coming back with bags of shopping. He's an yeah. order, isn't he? Yeah. I and bet people think that about me. And I think we all, have, we all have a bit of kleptomania sometimes, you know. I think what a play should do is challenge your mind, and I think Harpy certainly does that. It certainly sets that scene and makes you really think. So, Richard, do you think this piece was well-directed? Because I certainly do. I totally agree. Um, I mean, it was really a a masterclass in direction. It's a very difficult thing to do a one-woman show. Yeah, shout-out to Abigail Anderson, who did it. Completely. Because I felt the transition between each... I want to say scenes. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a monologue, but between each scene... There was music playing, Sue Pollard was either singing, dancing, or she was doing something, she was utilising those props. One minute she was singing with a karaoke thing that she obviously collected, and then the next minute she is sitting on a seat with a cup of tea to go into the next scene. But it was so wonderfully done that she was moving things about. You didn't see the transition, however, from a directoral point of view, it was directed in such a way that you knew that those points were Sue Pollard's reference to move on to the next part of her script because 
it was the scene changes in her head. There was hardly any lighting changes. There was hardly any movement. There was no real specific changes, but it kept her mind in where she was in her script. And I think that is key. But when you watched it as a piece of theatre, you knew that you were just taken on a journey. And I think that was the the directing was just... And I, I really like those kind of uh, transitions when you're in a character and yeah. you're moving from one place to yeah. another. I remember when I did a, an amateur production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I was playing the particular character, Martini, and we had to go from one scene to another and for us to make that change and move stuff around on the scene... We end up lifting the chairs above our heads and just dancing around to certain yep. atmospheric music. And in one piece, I ended up being like a Christmas tree. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it, it was yeah. just so bizarre. But it, it worked. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes... For moving the, the, actors about. It can go from the ridiculous to the sublime. You sort of don't always realise that those moments are so key. They're entertaining yeah. as well, because what you don't want to do is like, end scene, we're going to get some... Technical we're going to people walk over here, and we're going move, to do this. Yeah, move you know. stuff about. Right, start again. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it, it just, just takes you work. out. It takes you out of the the piece as an audience. It if... really does, and I think this did not lend itself to scene changes or set changes, or it was a piece of theatre that you had to be drawn into and see it as raw theatre. And I think that was the really the good part of how it was directed and how Sue took the direction as well. Because, you know, hats off, we'll, we'll talk about Sue. Well, do you know lot. what I'm going to suggest, Richard? Yeah. I think moving on now, do you know what we're here for? We're here, here for the drama. So now, Richard, we've been bigging Sue Pollard up. I know you're a fan and I'm a fan. We're both fans here of the Pollard. Yeah, it's got to be said. I think people may see her as a comedic role and a long-time history of being in comedy pieces, but people don't always realise how much of a performer she has been through her career. When she's not on TV, she has done so much theatre that people don't always realise through well, her life. On you know. TV, people, when they watch her, they see her as being this naive character from Heidi High, Peggy or Ivy from Yurang Lord. And when she was on stage, I felt at the very beginning, I felt like the pages were turning. You could see her doing that. And the reason why I say it just felt a little bit off or odd we've just come out of the pandemic and stuff and i suppose this for me was the first show i've ever been to in two years yeah, definitely so even i was a bit you know even when we was trying to get our seats it's like do we sit here what, yeah. what do we do are we allowed yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it just throws it, it was you such a strange every, world it was point. totally bizarre but it was strange I, to be sat in a theater again that yeah. did, we've not done for so long but saying that after 10 minutes she, she was bang on it yeah not to say she wasn't necessarily on it it was just it did feel about it just felt strange. like you'd had a big hug from a theater performer that was like we've got this you're going to enjoy tonight and you're going to be taken on a journey and it's escapism and it felt like you were purely in an escapist world you were in birdie's front room where she'd built so much up and that was so much about sue she walked on stage and she was there and that was it oh she's, she's definitely just, got stage just, presence there she just knew how to just get on with it and i think that's something that people forget in theater sometimes where you just have to be that character and just ride over anybody's insecurities feelings just be that performer and that's that's how she is i mean you just have to look 
look at Sue's back catalogue, even down to performing on West End stages. She's done so many performances. You just have to look. I mean, I've just picked a few out. She's been in Greece. She's been in Abigail's Party, Haber's Corpus, Hot Flush, Romeo and Juliet. See how they run. Then she's done things like she's voiced Penny Crayon. I oh, mean, we I, I all forget. That. We all forget these things, but she's. She's just been such a performer that throughout our lives you wouldn't even know she's been in some of the things and she's just a true West End girl and that's her all over. A full-on performer. Yeah, she just. but there's a sparkle when she walks on stage and I think that says so much about a performer. You know? I've seen some productions where it's either been a one-man show or they've had a lengthy monologue and mm. I've completely switched off because yeah. they're not engaging. Yeah. And this one, I wasn't quite sure what to expect in terms of the new play, new production, yeah. being let out into the atmosphere with people the challenge again. of a one woman show it's like you sort of almost worry for that performer are they going to actually perform but she you definitely know? engaged me I was, just I was hooked blown up. away blown away by a performer in that way what did you think about the props well prop wise everything on stage had a purpose and I think that was key for me when it came to props it was like you looked on stage you saw the things on stage and they all had a purpose and I've always had a thing in theatre where if it's not needed, it doesn't need to be on the set. If it's not referenced, if it's not used, why is it there? Every, yeah, all the chaos and the the, the, the pile-up of everything, it was all used. And I think that was, the, that was the key point. They weren't just placed on stage. They were placed all over the stage. So she had to use every inch of the stage. Yeah, you know so what I, mean? what I liked about it as well was the fact that... She went everywhere on the stage. She went up the stairs, down the stairs. She went to the front of the audience when she was on the telephone, when she was looking in the newspaper from left to right, up the ladder. It was almost like even though she was a hoarder, she'd hidden things where she couldn't remember where they were, which gave you the idea that she was so confused in the life and there was so much confusion in her life that even she'd forgot where she'd put certain things, but then she found them. And I think it added to the chaos of the performance which it needed to make it believable I agree moving on to our final segment which is what the tech is this so Richard with you being the techie between us what did you think about the use of the sound the lighting the special effects lighting wise I mean it was very simple but it didn't need any more they had lampshades dangling from the I want to say ceiling, but yeah, the, the what do you imaginary ceiling? It's from it's, it was from the uh, from the lighting bars, yes. but because it was a touring production, you didn't need any more. It just gave the effect that there was other rooms in the in the building. There was just lampshades hanging that were lit. They did have bulbs in them. It felt like there was a speaker under the telephone for when the telephone. Yeah, went. what they and done, also they, underneath the stairs. I noticed. Yeah, I mean, for me, it added to the chaos where they hid speakers in boxes wrapped in hessian sacks to make them look like they were part of the hoarding sort of experience so when the phone rang the phone actually rang in the same space as the phone was on top of the box so it felt very spatially aware that that phone was ringing in that position i don't think there was any um 
technical issues on the night no. of backstage. The only thing um, that did happen for when we saw it was one of the bulbs, I think it was the main bulb in one yeah. of the lampshades that was hanging from the, what do you call it? Say the ceiling. Let's just call it the ceiling. Put it in a magical world. It's I'd like to be technically correct. It's fine. Let's just use Wherever the magical ceiling. From the magical ceiling, one of the bulbs went. Yeah. Um, I that was about it. Oh, and there, there was a particular moment which she'd used the umbrella to poke through the letterbox. Yeah. And it didn't go it through didn't the act, letterbox, yeah. but then we heard the postman or react. React. Like, Reacted and went out, but the, the actual point of the umbrella didn't actually go through the letterbox. So that was a little faux pas. Um, but that was only one piece. It was, I mean, that I mean, was it. personally, every interaction with the phone and the audio elements of somebody stuck upstairs all the the recordings were really well made where you felt like it was other characters on stage in this one woman show it made it a broader wider stage performance because you felt drawn into this you could feel that there was other people in, involved in her life and that was pinnacle to making this one woman show a success you just felt like it was such a bigger space than this one room and that that is kudos to the the sort of sound and technical direction because I've seen so many productions where they've failed with this because that sound and that lighting is another person on stage and I'll talk about that till I, I'm blue in the face. Yeah, you do like that. I, it's, uh, it's because it's important issues. and I think it, it it's really forgot is. by so many professional companies and so many amateur companies, they just throw it away and it should never be thrown away and this was how to do it professionally. It's like you've got one woman on stage that needs that but, reinforcement of so many other things. person isn't the only character on exactly. stage that you see on here. Uh, yeah, it, it, without that it would be very flat and it wouldn't give you that that performance sue would not have been able to deliver what she delivered without that so i'd like to give a shout out to the designer of this piece which is alex marker who designed this lovely set which if you're seeing the pictures that we've taken you'll be able to see what he's done the lighting designer was james whiteside and the sound designer and composer was simon slater the movement director was Lucy Pankhurst, who I suppose moved Sue about the stage in between the transitions. Additionally, for the technical side of things, does a few bits, which was the exits of the stage. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. I think there was a few moments we noticed that were slightly odd, where Sue found it very awkward to actually leave stage in the interval. Trying to get past the ladder yeah, and over things. Trying to get past the ladder and through the black curtains to actually get off stage, so. where they could have actually utilised the staircase that was referenced in in the first half and if she'd have just stayed on the staircase and then walked off backstage through the staircase and down the other side you wouldn't have seen her leave stage which just would got have, upstairs it would have created more of the illusion yeah because you know? it just means if she just walked up the stairs she's still in a house whereas walking off the side through a curtain it just broke that it broke the illusion of being in illusion. that front room yeah. and it, because it was so intense and about that front room it would have just solidified that it was a very closed performance within that area or she 
she could have walked out the front door because she goes out and well, exactly. picks, collects things and hoards. So even if she'd have left through that front door... She could have put a bag have, on, a yeah, coat on... Have, yeah, and just walked got, off. Gone... Um, Pilferaging yeah, exactly. She could have gone scavenging. to collect more nice things. So it wouldn't have taken much just to have that sort of exit. You it's know. only a tiny detail. Was... Whether they had any space behind the set for her to go up the stairs and yeah. then off, she might not have been able to. No. But then, just but it appeared that there was quite a lot of stage behind. So I think that's why we made the comment because it just seemed a little awkward for Sue when she's trying to find the middle of the curtain to get off. I tell you what, it's a good job there wasn't smell of armor as well yeah, exactly. because I like. I'd, I'd hate to think what you know kind of things she'd have brought back something going mouldy yeah I mean uh, I've, I've, you know in the work I've done I've seen some pictures of real life examples of houses in hoarding situations where and it's not there's, nice um, there's degrading of milk upstairs as next to the bed yeah next to the bed next to the I've seen room, hoarders I've seen. from hell I've seen all those programmes you don't have to it's tell me it's not just, a pretty sign no and it's not a pretty smell either no probably not but no I wish this show every success in the future Definitely. And I believe it's going to be part of a cycle of three plays called Miss of the North Wood. Yeah. So good luck on that, Philip Meek. Now for our ratings, as we say, call this a show. So, Richard, scores on the doors from one to ten, ten being fabulous, I suppose. What's your scores? What are you going to give this well, play of Harpy? Straight away, I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. I can't give it a ten because of the couple of faux pas on a couple of the technical issues. But Oh, that's mean. It's that's really mean. mean. It's really darling, close, but there's always room for improvement. But no, definitely a nine. It was a launch back into theatre that I needed, but also in such a classy, sharp way. Would you give my plays a ten? Oh, always. Is that because you've directed them? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no bias in this no. uh, thing. I feel like I'm going to end up agreeing with you, but possibly doing Good. one better. Oh, really? I'm going to have to say a 10 for this. I think wow. I really enjoyed First this podcast one. podcast episode and we're giving a 10 I, out. I'm giving a 10 because it's been amazing to see the legend Sue Pollard. Yeah, and I agree with that. I thoroughly enjoyed being at a theatre and also Buxton the, I mean it was yeah. a pavilion art centre and I've also been to the Opera House as well but Buxton's a lovely place, it's yeah, a lovely always. venue lovely friendly staff okay we didn't know which seat we were going in because it was all like hieroglyphs and everyone asked us where we were going but you know yeah, well, yeah it was a bit like Nightmare, forward, back, left, right <laughs> it was like battleships wasn't yeah. it no I thoroughly enjoyed this and it was a lovely play a new writing you know and for a good performer reason. Her at the age she is, and let's face it, and very and energetic. Sue, Sue is is no spring chicken, but she was performing in her prime. She was just such a class act. I'm surprised but, she didn't do cartwheels. Well, exactly. She was close. She, you know, she could have done quite a lot more. Well, but I mean, she managed to get up them ladders. Definitely. I mean, yeah, she got up those ladders. I, I won't be. I got vertigo. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. I, I've been up a few ladders. Anyway, so now we've got the scores in ten from me and a nine from him we're going to go for the sound effects this which sound is. effects are you going to use we've got one which is a train wreck which i don't think the other one is we've got tumbleweed we've got a pleasant applause or a standing ovation what are you going for can, richard it can only be a standing ovation because it was so well deserved and i don't give them out lightly i'll be honest 
and I'm going to give a standing ovation also for Sue Pollard simply because I loved her in Oh Dr. Beeching and there should have been more series of that but for this play definitely totally agree so thank you Sue thank you Sue and everybody involved in the performance so there we are that's our discussion of Harpy we hope you found it insightful if not entertaining Coming up over the next few episodes, we'll be discussing the new production of A Christmas Carol, Cluedo, and Sheila's Island. That's it for this week, folks. If you'd like to drop us a message, please email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. Remember, you can always join in the chat to share with us your views on a production. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. Downstage.